Coming up on this week's episode of the EV Resource Podcast, Volkswagen officially launches the ID4, California's governor moves to ban gas-powered cars, National Drive Electric Week kicks off here in the U.S., and much more. Hello, friends, and welcome back to episode 34 of the EV Resource Podcast, coming to you from a rainy Huguenot Park outside of Richmond, Virginia. My name is Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answers to your questions about electric vehicles. I am recording outside in a public area, so uh, if you hear the sound of cars going by or kids playing in the background or dogs barking, uh, that would be why I am not at home in my studio. Our show is sponsored by Titan Auto and Tire. Titan is Central Virginia's premier independent repair shop that is qualified to work on EVs and hybrids. And from hybrids to Hummers, they fix everything. Now, if you were expecting me to talk about Tesla's battery day, don't get discouraged because that was very easily the biggest news story of the week. I decided to give it its own space. So I will be releasing my thoughts on battery day in a separate episode soon, uh, but I want to take some time to digest all of the announcements that Tesla made and give it the time and justice it deserves. So I should have that out early in the coming week. So we'll set that news aside and go straight to Volkswagen and the ID4. On Wednesday, VW finally unveiled the production version of the ID4 electric crossover, the first vehicle based on their MEB platform that will be coming to the US. The ID4 is VW's second full battery electric vehicle based on that platform. The first was actually the ID3, which was unveiled earlier this year, but only for the European market. So it's super exciting that the ID4, however, will be available for North America as well. On Volkswagen's website, you can currently find two trim options for the ID4. The ID4 Pro is priced starting at an MSRP of $39,995. And if you were one of those that were quick enough to get the first edition, that starts at $43,995. The first edition option is sold out at this time, and I believe it sold out actually in the first few hours that it was available. But Volkswagen says that it will be available nationwide in Q1 of 2021. Most of the photos I've seen of the ID4 show a blue exterior color, so I was actually quite disappointed when playing around with the configurator that unless you upgrade for the more expensive option packages, only four exterior colors are currently available, white, gray, black, and silver. So let's go through some of the specs. And sadly, Volkswagen's website lists the power and battery specifications under engine and hybrid battery. Um, And that's something I pointed out to them on Twitter and have yet to get a response for. Um, But looking past that taboo, it's rated for 201 horsepower and 2,964 pound-feet of torque. Now, I paused at that torque rating, but at this point, knowing that EVs and EV motors make massive amounts of torque, uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for that, at least for now. The battery they list as gross 82 kilowatt hours with 77 kilowatt hours usable, which is a decent size. Volkswagen says that the ID4 will achieve 250 miles of range on a full charge based on an approximation of the EPA test cycle and that EPA official estimates are not available at this time. The ID4 is equipped with an onboard AC charger rated up to 11 kilowatts, and DC fast charging can achieve up to 125 kilowatts. 
that should be good enough to stay relevant for the next few years, though I can only hope that they will improve this in the next generation of the SUV. As with most EV launches this, these days, it will come standard with a driver assistance suite. Volkswagen calls theirs IQ Drive and will include parking assist, lane keeping assist, and emergency braking. They do say that they plan to have IQ Drive capable of full level 5 autonomous driving later, whatever later means. Uh, I suppose that's an easy claim to make and then the execution of that is where the rubber meets the road as it were. The ID4 comes standard as rear-wheel drive, but for an additional $3,680, you can spring for the all-wheel drive option that will include a dual-motor powertrain, a tow hitch, which makes sense, and a heated windshield, which I have to admit seems to be kind of a weird option to pair with choosing all-wheel drive. Um, that just <laughs> seems like some kind of random thing they decided to throw in there at the last minute to uh, make that seem that package seem to be worth a little bit more. The dual motor ID4 all wheel drive option will be available in mid 2021. One thing I do like about Volkswagen is they are taking EV education seriously. As I was going through the website, there is a quiz that you can take where you answer questions about your normal commute, current vehicle's gas assumption, and most importantly, where you intend to be able to charge the ID4. And for the latter, I chose the quote, I don't know where to charge option just out of curiosity. And I was really happy to find that they basically said, no problem, we've got you covered. Volkswagen, through their partnership with Electrify America, is offering three years of charging for free. So anybody that buys the ID4, if you don't have on-street parking or uh, parking at your house, you can charge at Electrify America for three years for free. And then obviously, after that, you'd have to pay. But honestly, it's less than the cost of gas. So this will definitely save people a lot of money. Now, if you want to reserve an ID4 or even just play around with the configurator like I did, go ahead and over to Volkswagen's website. You won't have any trouble finding the ID4. It's currently taking the top spot on their landing page. Next up, California will follow the lead of many European companies by phasing out the sale of all gasoline-powered vehicles by 2035 in a bid to lead the U.S. in reducing greenhouse gas emissions and encouraging the state's drivers to switch to electric cars. Governor Gavin Newsom signed an executive order this past Wednesday that amounts to the most aggressive clean car policy in the United States. In a statement, the governor said, quote, this is the most impactful step our state can take to fight climate change, end quote. Now, the plan won't stop people from owning gas-powered cars or selling them on the used car market. So don't think this just means that gas-powered cars are going to go away. But what it will do is in 2035, it would end the sale of all new gas-powered vehicles in the state of nearly 40 million people that accounts for more than one out of every 10 new cars sold in the U.S. So this is talking about having a major impact. California would be the first state in the United States with such a mandate, following at least 15 other countries that have made similar commitments, including Germany, France, and Norway. Newsom used the hood of a red electric Ford Mustang Mach-E to sign an executive order directing state regulators to develop new regulations to meet the deadline. He urged Californians to, quote, pull away from the gas pumps, end quote, and encouraged other states to join California for the good of the environment and public health. 
He said, quote, if you want to reduce asthma, if you want to mitigate the rise of sea level, if you want to mitigate a loss of ice sheets around the globe, then this is a policy for other states to follow, end quote. Now, it is widely known that tailpipe exhaust from cars, pickups, tractor trailer rigs, and other transportation are the single largest source of air pollution, and California has by far the most cars on the road than any other state. Newsom says this order will reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 35%, but he stressed that the benefits went well beyond the environment, saying that electric cars and trucks are, quote, the next big global industry and California wants to dominate it, end quote. Now, California is already home, and this is something actually I didn't know, and I'm going to have to do some research into this. California is already home to 34 electric vehicle makers and accounts for half of all electric vehicle sales in the U.S. 34 EV makers. I mean, I can think of maybe five. So 34, (laughs) that that actually, I really want to dig into that a little bit. I'm going to have to figure that one out. Um, About a dozen states currently follow California's lead on auto emission standards that are more restrictive than the federal rules. If those states would then follow suit on these zero emission vehicles, it could have a massive impact on the U.S. automobile industry. Governors for many of those states did appear with Newsom at an event on Wednesday and praised California's move, but they gave no immediate indication whether they would join it. Additionally, this week, in other gas-powered banning news, uh, The Guardian in the UK reported that the UK government has a proposal under consideration to bring their existing ban on vehicles powered by gasoline and diesel forward to 2030, which is actually 10 years earlier than they had previously pinned, and five years before California. And outright bans on gas-powered cars like this are becoming more and more common, and they are extremely controversial and divisive. So I don't want to really get into the political side of this, but I do want to point out that regardless of how you feel about government-mandated bans on gas-powered cars, there are a lot of other ways to promote the benefits of electrified transportation and through educating the consumer, encourage an overall shift to EVs. And one such way to do that is to point out the economic benefit that EVs provide to their owners. In an article published by Inside EVs this week, Stephen Loveday wrote that gas-powered cars cost twice as much for repairs and maintenance over the life of the vehicle than EVs. According to new data and analysis from Consumer Reports, plug-in electric car owners are saving 50% on maintenance and repair as compared to gas cars. As we wait for EVs to reach price parity with internal combustion engine vehicles, we can have peace of mind that knowing with cost of ownership backed in, there are huge savings related to EV ownership. Consumer Reports used data from its 2019 and 2020 reliability surveys, which includes information about thousands of electric and gas vehicles. The analysis concluded that cars powered by full battery electric or even plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, their drivers are saving an average of 50% over gas cars when it comes to maintenance and repair over the life of the vehicles, which they defined as 200,000 miles. Inside EVs say they will have more details at a later date since Consumer Reports has released this data as a small piece 
of a full upcoming white paper comparing cost of ownership data for electric and gas vehicles. The study also finds that electric vehicles produce an average of 60% less greenhouse gas emissions than gas cars. Consumer Reports data suggests the following maintenance and repair costs for battery electric vehicles, plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, and internal combustion engine cars. For battery electric vehicles, they have it at just $0.03 per mile. Interestingly enough, they have the plug-in hybrid data at the same $0.03 per mile, and then internal combustion engine vehicles at an average of $0.06 per mile. And personally, I've found this to be true for my Chevy Spark EV. Over the last 15 months, the only money I've spent has been to replace the front tires. That's it. No oil changes, air filter replacements, tune-ups, timing belts, or any of the other maintenance and repair items that are required to keep a gas-powered vehicle on the road. I haven't had to worry about it. And aside from the economic impact, the peace of mind that comes with that is just spectacular. It's not something that that side of it I wasn't expecting. Of course, I expected the economic benefit because I followed EVs for years and I, I've known this. Um, but the peace of mind, I, I don't have to worry about it. It's fantastic. I don't have to keep track of the mileage and, okay, when's the oil change due? And, oh, no, I'm past when I need to get the oil change done. Or I'm a 1,000 miles past when I need to get the oil change done. Am I destroying my car? Um, I don't know if many of you are like I am, but I've done that before with gas-powered cars that I've owned. So, really, that is spectacular. And really, I think that the number one way to get mass adoption of EVs is through education. You can't shove this kind of thing down people's throats. They have to know exactly what they're getting into and how much better it is. So I think a report like this really helps. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, and I would encourage you guys to actually spread that, share it, post it, and get the word out as much as possible. Our next story comes from Electric about the Porsche Taycan. The Porsche Taycan electric car has already become Porsche's best-selling car in Europe this year, destroying the sales of the Panamera, which is its closest gas-powered competitor. In terms of specs and design, Porsche hit the mark with the Taycan, but the high price had previously raised questions about the vehicle's potential success. Well, Porsche only started delivering the Taycan less than a year ago, and after ramping up production and, uh, I believe, bringing over employees from Audi to help build it, the sales volumes are starting to be significant for a six-figure cost performance vehicle. In North America, sales are a bit slower, as with all non-Tesla EVs are here, but in Europe, the Taycan is starting to do well. Last month, the Taycan became Porsche's best-selling vehicle in Europe, outselling Porsche 911 with 1,183 units. To be fair, the Cayenne is actually Porsche's best-selling vehicle if you combine the SUV's sales with the coupe version of the Cayenne. However, that is not the most interesting comparison. In Porsche's own lineup, the Panamera is the closest competitor to the, to the Taycan, competing in the same category. They're practically, I mean, people confuse them quite a bit when they are on the road because they're practically, I don't want to say the same, but they're very, very similar in terms of what they would be used for and in design. And get this, in Europe, the Panamera's sales were down 71% last month. It's also fair to note that overall sales of the other models are partly down due to the current economic situation and the pandemic. Prior to starting deliveries, Porsche was planning for the production of more than 20,000 Taycans 
If it does ramp up to that level, it would be one of its best-selling vehicles globally. And on to Polestar. Polestar announced on the 26th, though, if you're listening to this on Sunday when I release it, that would have been yesterday, that the Precept concept model shown earlier this year will enter production. Vehicle development is currently underway in the UK, and already more than 130 people are working on it. That decision has been made after the company realized that people like the concept and there should be a market for such a great-looking, sporty, all-electric car. The CEO of Polestar said that the people want it, so they decided to build it. The Polestar Precept will be produced in China, Polestar's home market, in an all-new manufacturing facility that is currently planned. The plant will not only be carbon neutral, but also one of the most intelligent and connected automobile production facilities in the world. Now, my first look at this car got my heart beating faster. It is absolutely stunning. I think that I've got like a car crush. Um, I've fallen in love for sure. The rear end especially I like with the integrated taillights. I think partly because it reminds me of the Volkswagen XL1 um, the way the taillights are designed and kind of sharp edges. Um, I really hope that the production version looks like the concept. And the concept itself has been out for a while. I believe um, back in April, actually, Polestar put a video out on YouTube kind of walking through the concept and introducing it. So I'll put a link to that video in the show notes so that you guys can check this out as well. The second to last story I want to bring you this week comes from my friend Kyle Connor of Out of Spec Motoring and Inside EVs. Kyle got his hands on a 2019 Audi e-tron and took it out on the road for an Inside EVs 70 mile per hour range test. This test at 70 miles per hour specifically is an important indicator of real world range for road trips. The EPS test and range rating for EVs doesn't take into account high speed highway motoring. So it's awesome that inside EVs collects and records the range in this way. As for the e-tron, its EPA estimated range is 204 miles per charge. It has a 95 kilowatt hour battery of which only 83.6 kilowatt hours is usable. When Audi launched the e-tron, it was extremely conservative with the battery buffer and held back 12% of the battery, which is more than most electric vehicle manufacturers do. It does seem as though Audi now believes that they were too conservative because for 2021, the e-tron will gain access to nearly three more kilowatt hours of energy. The usable battery capacity for the 2021 e-tron will jump to 86.3 kilowatt hours. That, plus some software enhancements, will increase the e-tron's EPA-rated range from 204 miles to 222. However, Kyle drove a 2019 e-tron with 83.6 kilowatt hours available energy, and the car also had the optional 21-inch wheels, which would probably shave a few more miles off the range of the vehicle. During the test, the e-tron averaged a thirsty 2.3 miles per kilowatt hour consumption, which is easily the highest consumption rating that they have seen on their highway range tests to date. It's also important to note that as they always do, Kyle had set the tires to the manufacturer's recommended pressure before starting out, and he also checked the e-tron speedometer against GPS to verify its accuracy. 
Now, anytime you do a range test like this, it's also important to take into account the weather around you. Uh, they noted that the temperature was a mild 73 degrees Fahrenheit when Kyle began the drive and about 65 degrees Fahrenheit when he finished up. So that shouldn't have played too much of a role in the loss of range from the cold or use of the air conditioning system. Kyle has a wind app that he checks always to see if that would be an issue. And he reported that there was basically no wind, so that shouldn't have been much of a factor either. Want to know the result of the test? I'll put a link to Kyle's video in the show notes for you to watch and find out for yourself. And the last bit of news I want to bring you this week is about National Drive Electric Week. National Drive Electric Week is an annual occurrence where all across the country, thousands of EV events all happen to promote electric vehicles and spread awareness. This year, of course, with the COVID-19 pandemic, we are quite limited in how we can do that. However, overcoming all challenges, most things have moved to a digital format. Along those lines, I wanted to tell you guys about Generation 180. They are an organization, a nonprofit, close by here in Charlottesville, Virginia, and they have a slew of events this week. So I wanted to bring you Blair with Generation 180 to talk more about what they have going on. Blair, I definitely want to thank you for taking a little bit of your time out of your weekend to uh, come on the podcast with me for, and share more about Generation 180 and the plans that you guys have for National Drive Electric Week. So thank you very much. Of course. I'm happy to be here. So first, let's just start. Uh, tell us a little bit about you, who you are, how long you've been with Gen 180, and what you guys are doing. Sure. So like you said, I'm with Generation 180, Gen 180 for short, the long name. Uh, <laughs> And I've been with the organization for two and a half years. We are a clean energy nonprofit based out of Charlottesville, Virginia, but we have two main campaigns that are nationwide, our Solar for All Schools campaign and our Electrify Ride campaign, which is very on point for what we're talking about today because National Drive Electric Week has just started and we're hosting an ambitious number of events. We're hosting 13 virtual events over this next week. They kick off tomorrow, September 27th, and they run through October 3rd. And we can't wait to see both EV advocates and EV owners and people looking to go electric for the first time. We're hosting content for anyone and everyone who's interested in electric vehicles. Yeah, and, and you've got a wide array of different types of events. I mean, I know um, on Sunday the 27th, which is when most people will probably interact with the podcast, um, you've got a speed dating, an EV speed dating, find your perfect match event. Um, what would you say the general focus is for what you guys are trying to accomplish this year? A lot of it is on EV myth busting. So really like what are those myths that we need to stomp out? And then the flip side of that coin is, okay, how do we make electric vehicles more accessible? Is it through policies? Is it through workplace charging? Is it through more thoughtful educational programs? That's really the vein of all of our events is EVs are awesome. They're here today, they're clean, no matter where you live. And also here are a variety of solutions that we can use to help increase electric vehicle adoption nationwide. Absolutely, and of course that is what is needed more than anything else is just educating people about electric vehicles. I actually mentioned that a little bit earlier on the podcast. Uh, that I think is the number one way to increase mass adoption of electrified transportation just to make sure that the myths are busted, which is definitely needed because people 
that's what they hear first is all the myths about electric and vehicles. And they're prevalent. They are, they are out there and they are viral. <laughs> yes, very much so. I think that's more viral than the truth, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So it requires so much more um, of, of people like us and certainly the organization that you guys are, are uh, working with, with Generation 180, to really put the right information out there. So if the people are interested in the events this week, what is a good way for them to find out what's going on and how they can participate with what you guys are doing? Absolutely. Well, you can always Google Generation 180 and find us, but you can visit generation180.org slash events and we'll have all of our events there. And if you Google the Electrified Your Ride campaign as well, that'll take you to it. So there's a number of ways. Okay, very good. Well, I thank you very much as always for your time and i look forward to participating in as many of the ev events this week as i can. i hope you're ready to talk about the chevy spark we've got five different groups ready to ask questions about it on sunday that is great no i the problem as always is getting me to shut up about it uh, <laughs> getting me to talk will be no problem it's getting me to hey, stop I've even, I've even got a second chevy spark owner you've that got you've got a co-partner too yes oh that is great is i hope it's somebody that I don't know yet because I, I know a few here and around Richmond, but obviously I'm always looking to. No, they're from, they're from Seattle if memory serves. So yeah, you've Very got, cool. you've got new, new friends in the making. That company. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. So that's your show for this week. Thank you as always to everyone who supports EV Resource, either by simply listening or sharing with your friends. Additionally, we invite you to support us on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can help make this podcast happen. All of our Patreon supporters also receive a copy of the monthly EV Resource digital magazine. The October issue will be out this next Saturday, the 3rd, and will highlight Tesla's battery day, feature the Audi e-tron and e-tron sportback vehicles, and talk about the right place that plug-in hybrids have in the EV community, as well as much more content. If you want to check out the magazine and show your support for EV Resource, you can find us there at patreon.com slash EV Resource. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Each week, I read out those of you who support us at our top contributor level. Currently, our Patreon executive producer is Tom Wiggins. Thank you, Tom. I invite your feedback via email to hello at ev-resource.com. Feel free to leave a comment on the YouTube show and don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and your major podcast platforms so that you'll get the future shows delivered to you automatically. If you want to listen to any of the previous shows, you can find them on the EV Resource webpage under the podcast section and on many of the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. So that's it. Thank you so much for being with me and I'll catch you next week.